Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. We're continuing in this message series that we've entitled uh, Wrestling with God. And so for the last five weeks, we've, uh, we've just been talking about this. And we've looked at examples of people who wrestle with God throughout Scripture. And uh, just kind of been thinking in my heart, you know, where will we stop? And uh, kind of what I've concluded is that wrestling with God is something that's been going on for a long time. And all uh, throughout Scripture, all throughout history, people have, have wrestled with God in prayer, you know, in their spirit, uh, striving, seeking after God, uh, longing for Him in their life. And oh, I just, I just want to encourage you, if you have never wrestled with God, please do that. With every fiber of your being and all your your heart and your passion seeking the scripture says that he rewards those who diligently seek after him God doesn't need preachers he doesn't need teachers he's God And he can show himself to you however he chooses to do that. Well, I'm just so honored that, that he might consider using someone today to show himself to some folks. And so that, that's, why, that's why we're here. So today we are going to actually fast forward. Last week we kind of did a rewind in the storyline. We kind of did a rewind in regards to who we've been following, people who wrestle with God in prayer and in their lives. So last week, we kind of did a rewind. Today, we're going to do a major fast forward. So today, we're going to find ourselves in the New Testament, in the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a very, ah, this is a, 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 deep message, okay? <laughs> and it's, it's almost like, I, I described it in the first service, I said, and no disrespect, ladies, but this is almost like giving birth. It's, it's, it hasn't quite got into my soul yet. It's still on like that, that fertile ground, if you will. It hadn't gone deep, but it's still like deep inside of there. And, 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 and this message from God's Spirit is just is wanting to come out but it, but it might be tough and you might be going that dude's laboring I mean that guy right there he is struggling to get this out today so sometimes <laughs> it's almost like having a baby and I don't know anything about that okay I'm just saying so we're trusting God to do great things today I'm excited 
but it's, it's tough because it speaks into my life. And I just feel the vulnerability of this message. And so, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, fast-forwarding all the way into the New Testament, looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. We're entitling today's message, Pinned Down for a Purpose. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning of verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I wrestled. I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And He has said to me, Man, it's like between verse 8 and verse 9, it's not said, but it is implied. I implored, I wrestled with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But God said no. Verse 9, And He has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, we just yield ourselves to your spirit today, Father. And Lord, want to even want to try to do any of this without your power. We're just so dependent upon your spirit and upon your power today. We're trusting you to speak into hearts and speak into minds. So we ask, Father, that you would remove all distraction of heart, all distraction of mind. Might we truly uh, give ourselves to hear your spirit and to hear your word. And Father, uh, if it happens to come through the preacher today, then we'll even praise you even more for that. And thank you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about wrestling with God. And if you'll remember that one message that we brought, well, where we introduced the WWF, WWE wrestlers, Bleacher Reports, greatest 10 wrestlers of all time. I know I've heard people, you know, were disappointed that their great wrestler didn't make it in the top 10. And, and actually, some of mine didn't make it either. Uh, but I just want to remind everyone that there was actually four categories that those wrestlers were judged by and this is serious stuff i mean we're not talking about the olympics or collegiate wrestling we're talking about the real stuff the stuff that you see on tv okay so i just want to make this real clear but the four areas that they judged the wrestlers number one was theme music or you know entrance song who had the the great entrance song uh, the next one had to do with their ability on the mic who can give, who can deliver a great interview. 
the third one I'm going to come back to in just a second. But the last one had to do with actually their ability in the ring. Who had the most belts, uh, who could carry a, a pay-per-view, you know, main event, that type of thing. And then there was the third category that we're really going to be focusing on today. It was finishing moves. Who had the best finishing move? And in that, I was reminded this week that some wrestlers, one of their great finishing moves was a submission hold. A submission hold. Where they could get the other wrestler down, you know, pin him down, and all he could do once, once you're in a submission hole, all you can do is what? You can, all you can do is, come on now, let's get together with this. All you can do is what? All you can do is, let's just say that together because we're going to be talking about that today. All you can do is tap out. So when it comes to wrestling with God, We've looked at examples of people who wrestle with God and at least in part, God answered their prayer. Jacob, when he wrestled with God, he said, I'm not going to let go of you until I see you. And even though Jacob walked away with a limp, God showed himself, his face to Jacob. And he changed his name and gave him a new identity and reaffirmed great promises into his life. Moses, when the children of Israel had been rebellious and disobedient, he wrestled with God and said, God, don't, don't destroy them. Don't wipe them out. They are your people. And the scripture says that God relented. And he preserved them. Abraham. Last week. Concerned about his family in the wicked city of Sodom. Abraham bargained with God. God, if there's 50 righteous people in the city, wouldn't you spare the city? God, it's not like you to destroy the, the, the righteous with the wicked. God, if there's 50... 45, God, if there's 45, if there's like, a, like an auctioneer at a sale. Abraham bargained God all the way down to 10. And each time, God complied. Leads us to the next part of wrestling with God. So what do you do? How do you process? What do you do when God doesn't answer your prayer? When you've wrestled with God with everything you've got, and God says, no. There's a couple examples of this in Scripture. And I think this first one will give you tremendous encouragement because if he could wrestle with God in prayer and in that moment God say no, 
because God had greater things for him, then I think it'll give you hope. Jesus. Garden of Gethsemane. He wrestled with God. And in a moment he said, God, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew there was no other way. So he comes back and he says, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine. In that moment, Jesus wrestled with God. God said, "There's, Son, there's no other way. Because whatever pain you're experiencing right now, however great your pain may feel right now, there is a greatness, something greater that I'm going to do on the other side of your pain. The Apostle Paul was in a blessed place in his life. God had shown him great things, great truths. I mean, Paul would even say, gosh, God, God has shown me stuff that is just so great, I, I can't even spit it out. It's just so great. And then he said, because of this greatness. So, so Paul understood why something came into his life. He, he kind of understood why, which I think is huge, if we could understand why. And I think we'll understand partly why today. But, but the thing that came into his life is called a thorn in the flesh. Now, the text doesn't tell us what the thorn in the flesh is. People have speculated all throughout history about what, what was the, the thorn in Paul's flesh. The thorn in his side, if you will. Some have said that they thought it was a, 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 an illness. Maybe a disease that he battled with throughout his life. There's a place in the book of Galatians where Paul talks about seeing. And he speaks of eyesight. And, and some people have thought, Maybe Paul's thorn in the flesh was a, a vision problem that he had very, very poor eyesight. I think God in His wisdom doesn't tell us what it is because what we would do is if we knew what it was, then we would just say, well, this only applies and it only relates to this particular thing. And what we would do is we would try to figure out some kind of formula or recipe for dealing with that specific thing. And then we would just fail to see what God wants to do with your thorn in the flesh. As I've talked with people about this. The majority of people I've talked to have said, I have a thorn in my flesh. 
And just to be clear about what thorns in the flesh are, they're kind of like something in your life, a pain in your life that does not go away. It's almost like a, a rock in your shoe that you just, you can't get it out of your shoe no matter how hard you try. It's a pain that perhaps is there it's consistent in your life. It's, it's there all the time. It might even be there daily. It hinders you from just being able sometimes to live and to, to freely move in your life. Thorns in the flesh are often hidden from public view. They're very private. Maybe only a few people in your life have any idea about the perpetual pain that you carry. For some of us, our thorn in the flesh, that perpetual pain that we can't get away from, it could be a physical illness, a physical condition, it could be something in your past, something that happened to you that you just can't get away from in your life. For many of us, our thorn in the flesh is embarrassing. Let's just be honest. It's, it's embarrassing. And I can tell you that with mine, it speaks failure to me. It says to me, if you had been a better person, if you had been a better father, if you had been a better husband, if you had been a better pastor, you would not have this thorn in the flesh. And the enemy speaks all kinds of condemnation and failure and negativity to me. It's embarrassing because for some of us, we're thinking nobody else deals with this. I should be able to overcome this in my life. It is still there after all of these years. It's just so stinking embarrassing. So we protect many times our thorn in the flesh. Now this is going to It might take your breath a little bit. It kind of did mine. Many people believe that with the Apostle Paul, that his thorn in the flesh was other people. That there were people who had it in for Paul. They followed him in his missionary journeys. They went into the churches where he spoke truth. They came behind him. They tried to undo his ministry. They spoke, spoke evil and hatred against him. Did you know that even in Scripture, some of the enemies of Paul are named? He mentions them. Calls them by name. And recognizes the distress that came into his life. But we can't say for sure 
what his thorn in the flesh was. And we're glad that it's left open because what we are going to speak on today leaves it open to speak to your personal thorn in the flesh that you might have in your life. Well, Paul does what any of us would do, and maybe what you've done. He goes to the Lord, and he wrestles with God, and he asks the Lord to remove this thorn in his flesh. The Scripture tells us that Paul prayed three times. And we know that biblically numbers are significant. Uh, the number seven is a number that denotes completeness or wholeness. The number three is another one of those significant numbers that also denotes completeness, thoroughness. Uh, Paul went to the Lord, and listen to me, he didn't just wrestle with God about his thorn in the flesh. He thoroughly, he thoroughly wrestled with God and implored and asked God three times, would you please take this out of my life? And God said, no. God did not and would not remove this from Paul's life. And you go, what a shame. What a shame. If God truly loved him, then God would remove the thorn in his flesh and take it out of his life. Have you ever thought about your thorn and thought to yourself that, hey, if God loved me, he would take this thorn out of my life? Here's the truth in regards to Paul. God did not take the thorn out of Paul's life. Because God loved him. He tells us in the text. Why? You see, if God had removed this pain out of Paul's life. Then that would have opened the door in Paul's life for a greater pain. Let me say that again. If God had removed Paul's thorn in the flesh out of his life, if he had removed the pain out of his life, then that would have opened the door in Paul's life for a greater pain. Paul's thorn in his flesh was not a destructive pain. In fact, it was a redemptive pain. It was a purging pain. It was a purifying pain in his life. In the first part of this text, when Paul says, because of the revelations that God had brought in my life, the things that God was showing me in my life, for this reason, this is verse 7, for this reason, to, the, for this reason, to keep me, next part, to keep me, me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. But we know that Paul's thorn in his flesh, it was a humbling thorn. Yes, 
It weakened him. Yes, it was hard. He even said this. It's like a messenger of Satan that tormented me. Have you ever, have you ever been tormented because of things that have happened in your life? Have you ever ran out of your house or ran out of your office or ran out of your room screaming at God because your thorn tormented you? Paul said this was like a messenger of Satan. It came into his life by evil means but yet he saw God behind his pain. This is so much like, this is so much like Joseph. In the Old Testament scriptures, in Genesis chapter 50, when, when Joseph was finally confronted with his brothers who had sold him into slavery, and they, they wanted to write him off and, and wished him dead, in Genesis 50, 20, Joseph, in a moment where he could have sought revenge on his brother, saw the whole of his life, and he saw what God had done in his life. And he said to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It came into his life by an evil means, but yet he, he saw God Behind it. And, 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 and let's be honest here. Paul felt like this thorn had pinned him down. He felt like it had a submission hold on him in his life. But it was not a destructive pain. It was a redemptive pain. Because redemptive pains purge and they purify. And I'm going to tell you something else about a redemptive pain. A redemptive pain will teach you godly coping skills. You ever seen someone who, or you know someone who maybe had a knee problem? In order to protect their bad knee, they'd put stress and strain on the other knee. It's called compensating. With thorns in the flesh, sometimes you have to compensate in your life. And we know that sometimes people have caused and have had other pains in their life because they were trying to protect this other pain. But yet they learned how to compensate in a godly way. We will call this godly coping skills that teach you how to deal with pain and teach you how to live your life and teach you how to cope and to deal with anxiety and with fear and depression and anything else that comes into your life. This is not a destructive pain. This is a redemptive pain that God is allowing in your life. This past Friday, I was in a place I did not want to be in. At the funeral service for a 14-year-old young man, who took his life last Saturday at his grandparents' house. 
while I was there at the service. There was middle school students all over this place. I sat on the back row. I saw a young man who I know. And I went to him. He was attending the service and I said, Hey buddy, did you, did you know this young man? He said, Yeah, I sure did. Four classes with him. He shared his heart with me about how bad he felt. But he had no idea this young man was going through the darkness and the depression and the anxiety and what later came out to be some very clouded thoughts about reality. This young man I spoke to, this was his second friend in two years who committed suicide. They're in middle school. Dealing with pain. Coping with pain. It's something that is eluding our society. And it's eluding our homes. I'm so thankful that there were times in my life when I was a young man, when I was just a kid, somebody came to me and said this is how you deal with this so many times these pains are hidden and we don't bring them into the light sometimes people don't even know how to reach out for help but here's what we know when you bring it into the light and sometimes invite other people to walk with you in your pain, to know about your pain, to know about your thorn. A simple text message to them on any given day that says, pray for me. And they don't have to say what for. They know because you shared your thorn with them. And you can find strength. Your thorn in your flesh is not meant to destroy you. Although may you, you may feel like that at times. If God had removed Paul's thorn in his flesh, the door would have been open to a greater pain in his life. A pain that would have destroyed Paul. And it's the pain of pride. Paul said, Lest I be exalted above measure. This thorn in the flesh was given to me. His pride would have destroyed him. But his thorn purified him. And he found himself on his knees seeking the Lord. And when he found himself on his knees stripping himself of all of his pride, 
and all of his self-resources. You know what he was doing? When he felt like, when he felt like, when he felt like, when he felt like, he had been pinned to the mat and he tapped out. God stepped into his life. When he was empty of all that he had, he was then open to all that God had. And that's why he said, Power is perfected in weakness. God had said no, no, no to his plea. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, most gladly, therefore, verse 9, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then he became content. He, look at this in verse 10. Therefore, I'm well content with my weaknesses. Now, I want you to say something with me, okay? And you may hate me for it. But you've got to get here. I'm telling you. You've got to get here. Therefore. Come on, this is your cue. Therefore, I am well content with my thorn in the flesh. Therefore, I am well content with my thorn in the flesh. Therefore, I am well content with my thorn in the flesh. Satan, you bring it on. Satan, you bring it on. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. God is greater than my thorn. So Satan, bring it on. You're not bringing anything God doesn't know about in my life. You're not going to be able to do anything that can undermine God's purpose in me being pinned down because when I tap out, I am reaching out to the God of heaven. And all of His resources are coming into the ring of my life. But until I tap out and depend upon myself, God says, go ahead, big girl. Go ahead, big boy. Wrestle with all you got till you realize you got to have me. I'm well content with my thorn in the flesh. You say, Brother Allen, do you think God, do you think God Whatever remove my thorn in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I think he might. I think he might. But most likely, he won't do it until you have learned how to live with it. Because when you learn how to live with it, it will have accomplished its purpose in your life. Well, he's not trying to kill you. He 
He's not trying to kill you. He just wants to show you how great He is. So today, as you stand with us this morning, our prayer counselors are going to slip out in just a second. And maybe there is a great thorn in your life, and I've got a thorn in my life. If you're wondering, I've got one. I've screamed at God. I've ran out of my office. I've screamed. I I have felt tormented in my life. I've got my own. And in a moment, Jesus had his. And Paul had his. And you have yours. And it's okay. But, But do yourself a favor. Bring it into the light. Share it with somebody. Let them know what your thorn is. That's what we're here for. To help each other out. To pray for each other. To uplift one another. Share it. Bring it into the light. Find somebody that you can text at the drop of the hat. And, and they don't have to come back and say, Oh, what's going on with you? They just know. It's that dango thorn. Pray for me. I got that dango thorn, that dango thorn coming up in here today, y'all. I'm telling you, just pray for you. You need people like that in your life. Can I get an amen, church? You got to have people like that in your life. Bring it into the light. And let the power of Christ rest upon you. And show the enemy what your God's made of. Show your enemy what your God's made of. So as our prayer counselors begin to slip out, if there's anything pressing on your life and your heart today, and you want to come and pray and share, these folks are going to be here to minister to you. And I want you to know from the bottom of our hearts today, from the bottom of our hearts today, when we think about thorns, and we think about greatness, what God can do, Jesus, when He died on the cross of Calvary, there was a crown of what on His head? There was a crown of what on his head? There was a crown of thorns on his head. And you've got to know that every thorn that was on his head represents the thorn in your life today. Every thorn that was on his head represents the thorn in your life today. He took to the cross and he took to the grave your thorn and yeah you may have to live with it on this earth but you you don't have to live defeated because you got it every rose has one and every crown it's worth having has one too thanks for joining us on the first missionary baptist church sermon podcast That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.